And then somebody said, well, you could even put together a newsletter about lasagna and call it the Daily Lasagna. And I was like, that's my show name. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of five to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. Hey, have you heard about Code School? Code School is a terrific way to learn by doing. You actually get to work through exercises on their website and learn how to build code. They have courses on Ruby, Python, .NET, iOS, Git, databases, and of course, Angular. And you can try before you buy, so they have free intro courses to things like Git, Angular, and iOS. So go check them out at codeschool.com and start learning by doing. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 118 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Yo. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week, we're just going to be flying by the seat of our pants. Um, Woo. Yeah. So, Joe, um, I was thinking that maybe we could just talk about kind of our journey into Angular or into programming, for that matter, and just, you know, see see where we wind up. I'm, I'm really kind of curious. Uh, you know, how, how did you wind up getting into Angular? Um, yeah, that was that was an interesting journey for me, for sure. I was one of those people that just loved to move jobs, right? I was always, I had a few jobs for quite a few years, you know, like three or four year jobs, a few of those, but I had a lot of jobs that were much shorter than that. So in the 19 years before I went full-time um, kind of on my own and self-employed, I think I had 19 jobs in those 19 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was definitely one of those people that did like to move around a lot. Um, but I remember like I was at this place and JavaScript was becoming, you know, just so big. And I felt like I just didn't know JavaScript. Like every time I had to deal with it, it was just distasteful. I was a C-sharp programmer at the time. I don't know why, but at some point I just looked at it and I thought, I, I was I, I was big into testing and big into uh, other types of engineering, you know, pair programming and things like that. And in JavaScript, there was none of that. I was looking around trying to find people who are talking about automated testing with JavaScript unit testing, and nobody was talking about it. And I thought, you know, if I got into JavaScript and figured out JavaScript as a technology, then I could bring all my experience with engineering to it. Because a lot of people that I knew who were doing JavaScript were all these young kids that they hadn't been around big projects and uh, been on pl at places where engineering was a very important topic. So I sort of made this conscious choice that I was like, I'm going to go and do, you know, at the time, it was almost like, I'm going to go do what the kids are doing, you know? I'm going to go do this JavaScript, like, not just a little bit here and there, but, like, really seriously do it and uh, bring my love of testing and engineering to the field. So 
it took me a couple of tries, but I had to, I tried one job I wanted to do just JavaScript development and all they wanted me to do is maintain CSS. Uh, you know, I was looking for a front end developer job. And at the time, a lot of people that I knew didn't even think that that was a thing, right? There's no such thing as a front end developer. You know, there's just basically developers, full st- web developers, full stack developers. And I want to do just front end. And then, and then I got a job at Domo and, um, but right before I got the job at Domo, I was uh, I had a short contracting break where I, by that time I'd done quite a bit of JavaScript, but just in a full stack mode. So I really I really knew the topic really well, but I wanted to do it full time. And uh, Pluralsight wanted to rewrite their video player. They had like you know an ActiveX video player and a bunch several different video players, all in these various technologies. And what they wanted was an HTML5 video video player. And so they hired me on as a short-term contract to help them build the HTML. They just wanted some expertise in this area. So I came on, and Pluralsight's a full-time, a 100% automated unit testing, 100% pair programming. So 100% of the code had to be unit tested, and you worked with somebody else 100% of the time pairing, which was a really cool environment to be in. I think it was the first time I was ever in that kind of an environment. But we were we were going to build this HTML5 video players, me and this other guy. And he knew the technology, their product, but didn't necessarily know JavaScript as well as I did. Or, And I knew JavaScript, but didn't necessarily know the technology, but we both had done a lot of pairing and a lot of automated testing. And we built a, like a test for the HTML5 video player and it was fine, but then it, it was, just wasn't really great. So we kind of threw it away and we knew we knew that we needed to build, use a framework, and at the time, the popular frameworks were like Backbone and Knockout. And oh, the so, good old days! <laughs> yes, yeah, good old days. And so we were kind of looking around, and it's like, well, we could use Backbone, we could use Knockout, but let's look and see what other things are out there. And Ember had started to show up, right? I'd heard about Ember before. So at the, in, I mean, this was early on in Ember's history. We looked at it, and the, we just nobody was talking about testing Ember. Not a single person was talking about how to do unit testing with Ember. And we did played around with it for a little bit, but just couldn't figure it out ourselves. Maybe we just weren't smart enough. I don't know. Um, so he, the guy I was pairing with, uh, whose name is Jim Cooper, he stumbled upon this reference to a framework called Angular. He's like, hey, let's check this one out. And I'd never heard of it, so I said, sure. And we're like looking at the documentation. One of the things they said is like supports unit testing, you know, out of the box. Like it's a fundamental piece that we built into it was unit testing. So we were all excited and they had plenty of documentation and we started playing around with it. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Everything's testing. So we ended up building this HTML5 video player once in Angular. And then we took all the code that we'd written and we threw it away and we did it again. And that time we test drove all the code. Uh, I said they were 100% testing. They were actually 100% test driven development. And so we actually had to build it once just to kind of really figure out the lay of the land. Then we built it again using test driven development. And we literally threw all the code away that we'd written before. You know, we spent like a week and a half building a demo prototype of it. And then we threw it all away and wrote it again using test driven development. And so that was my first foray into Angular. And then I went over to Domo. And even though they had a big backbone app, they quickly migrated it over to Angular. And so that was kind of how I got into, into into Angular. Was sort of this sort of journey of wanting to do engineering practices in the front end world, where there was lots of um, you know space. Gotcha. It's, it's, what about you? What about me? Well, uh, it's all your fault, actually. You know, I'd been doing JavaScript Jabber for quite a long time, 
um, you know, you you joined JavaScript Jabber pretty early on, um, and Merritt Christensen had been on since pretty early on as well. Aaron Frost had been on uh, probably for half of the time that JavaScript Jabber had been going, and so I was just kind of doing JavaScript Jabber and getting into JavaScript itself and figuring out all this stuff. And I was still primarily doing Rails and Rails contracting. So, that and that was all good, right? You know, I could pull in jQuery plugins and blah, 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 and it would just build nice apps and everything worked. But uh, you and Merrick and Aaron and a um, few other folks started pushing along saying you wanted to do an Angular show. And I had kind of looked at Angular. I was using Backbone to kind of organize my code. And um, you guys just kept pushing. So eventually we did the started Adventures in Angular. And so I went and I kind of fiddled with it for a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. I figured out, oh, you know, this, this is pretty nice. You know, it, it had a lot of the things that I liked about Rails in it. Not necessarily that it works like Rails, but just that it has the the code organization and, you know, kind of a way and a place for you to put things and a way to build things. Um, and I really liked having things like the directives, which are sort of how I think about components now. Um, and so I, I got a little bit more interested in it, but it was funny because for the first year of the show, I was still not like super into angular. Um, you know, I could, I could follow the conversation because I understood enough about Angular to hold my own. And, you know, I'd been programming for a while, so I could chime in where I needed to. Um, But it's funny because I never really got that deep into Angular 1. And then when they announced Angular 2 and started um, making those kinds of innovations, that's when I started really kind of playing with Angular. So um, I don't know that I've actually called that out on the show, but... Um, I'm really <laughs> not an Angular One developer. Um, I'm coming into it much more from this, you know, the area of Angular Two. And yeah, I don't think that's really been like hidden by any means. You've frequently talked about it, like, all right, well, when I'm, you know, you're learning this sort of stuff, and you have that sort of viewpoint of oh, I just barely played around with this type of thing. Yeah, so I'm I'm really getting into it now. Um, I'm starting to build apps with it with a Rails backend. Uh, and, and it's just really kind of interesting and exciting, the, the kinds of things that you can do with it and the options that are there. And I think what really pulled me around to Angular 2 more than anything else was just when things started to come together for it as far as having all of the views and templates and everything else that's kind of tied into Angular 2 that's sort of not clearly delineated how you do that in Angular 1, that's kind of what got me excited was that it was like, okay, so essentially now my Rails server is my API server and I can manage all of this stuff in the same place in one app and I can drive it the way I need to drive it. So yeah, so I'm, I'm getting excited about Angular 2 in ways that I really didn't get excited about Angular 1. But yeah, it's mostly been due to the show and just seeing, oh, I can do what I want to do with it and it's it's sort of straightforward how I get there. Right. So I don't know if you remember this, but you had me, we met at a meetup and you had me come on JavaScript ever as a guest. Yes. First. So it was like, I think it was like the 20th episode. Yeah. It was something like I that. Was, and we had you come on yeah. about testing if I remember right. Yeah. Yep. 
And then like within a few, within a couple of months, like five or six episodes later, he invited me on to be as a regular, get a regular panelist. Right. But you know, on the same token, being on that podcast about JavaScript Jabber actually made a big difference in like finding that front end job that I wanted to have. Um, I think at the time I was contracting with Pluralsight. And so I think that helped me get my job with Domo as a full-time front end developer. And, uh, I don't know, it definitely got me more into the front end world being able to be on the podcast. So I definitely had a similar uh, story, at least when it comes to JavaScript in general, being on the JavaScript Jabber show. Yeah, and see, I had made the leap by the time we started JavaScript Jabber as far as wanting to learn JavaScript and understand it, because it was such a painful thing for me to have to deal with in Rails. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's kind of funny that that, you know, we, we kind of made similar journeys and it sounds like somewhat at the same time, but right. yeah. So I started going to the JavaScript meetups and, you know, Jameson was actually part of the Ruby community before he was part of the JavaScript community. And oh, so, really? Yeah. That's how I knew him. Huh. And, um, so I knew him from some of the Ruby events and from some of the JavaScript events and, uh, yeah, it, everything just kind of worked itself out from there. So I got a funny anecdote for you because of the podcast and and related to Angular, right? Like, I I was into Angular already, obviously, and we'd been I don't know we were like at episode sixty or something, and we had, I think it was Igor and Mishko, on the show, right on JavaScript mm -hmm. Jabber, and we talked to them about Angular, and they talked about how. Uh, testing was such an important thing for the Angular team, and they did a lot of pairing, and um, they just talked about the Angular team and how they built Angular, and it just, like, I was just so excited and uh, by everything they were talking about that afterwards I contacted them and asked to interview because I wanted to join the Angular team and ended up interviewing twice uh, at Google trying to join the Angular team. And all because we met them, we, you know, we had them on the podcast. So I ended up not getting, not being offered a job. Google's a hard place to get hired onto. Would you have yeah, had that, to move to Mountain View? Yeah, I would have had to move to Mountain View. So in the long run, it actually ended up being good for me not getting it. But uh, you know, you, the only way to get on the Angular team was to get on as a software engineer with Google, and that's a really hard, intensive, you know, full day interview all about data structures and algorithms. And without a degree, it was it was it was really difficult for me. So. I ended up not getting a job there, but I actually interviewed with them twice uh, trying to pick up a job uh, on the Angular team. And I was going to switch and leave where I was at and go join the Angular team. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, uh, at what point did you get so excited about Angular that you thought, okay, well, you know, let's do a conference or you know, <laughs> things like that? Right. Yeah, you know, it was so funny. Like, uh, I was working at Domo. We'd hired on, we had trouble hiring front-end devs. We were having a lot of trouble hiring front-end devs. And the CEO of Domo is this guy named Josh James. And the man is like, his, his personality is like a force of nature, right? Like, there's only two options when standing in the face of him is get out of the way or move with him. He's just that kind of a person, that kind of personality. And he heard that we were having trouble hiring front-end devs. And we, it was really critical to the product that we got brought on more front-end developers. And uh, so he's told a couple of the engineers to get their friends, their, their best friend and developer friends that they knew of, and schedule lunches with him. 
and them. Mm-hmm. So they through that they hired on uh, Dave Geddes and Aaron Frost. Okay. So those two came on board, and those two uh, were both doing Angular at their previous job, and so they were instrumental in converting all Domo's application over to Angular from Backbone. And when at some point there, Kip Lawrence, who had been running the Utah JS conference for like a couple of years, he came over to I think it was uh, Aaron, and they were just chatting. They're like, you know, we should do an Angular conference, an Angular specific conference. It was starting to get pretty popular. People were a lot of people were talking about it. They, you know, they obviously really liked it, and so they talked to Dave Geddes and they talked to me about it. I'd been helping out Kip with the conference a bunch uh, the year before. And so they came and talked to us and said, let's do an Angular conference. And then I thought, it was actually my idea that I said, look, uh, four is a bad number. We should have five. So we have a tiebreaker in case we have any decisions we need you know, to solve. So we included Merrick Christensen as well, Dr. Merrick, and he became our fifth organizer. But uh, at the time, you know, we just had no idea what we were doing. We'd never run a big conference at a big the Utah JS was run out of a library, right? Where they mm-hmm. don't even I think the they charge you like five hundred dollars to rent the place out. And we went we decided we want this this to be a big thing and we talked to the Angular team. We had a lot of contacts there. I mean I'd been trying to hire on with them and um so between the four of us, a lot of us knew members of the Angular team and they were all for us doing this. So we went over to we checked out a bunch of different hotels and ultimately ended up with Little America and we ended up with this contract for like hundred and sixty thousand dollars that we <laughs> signed our names to, right? So we'd gone from doing a five hundred dollar commitment conference to a hundred and fifty thousand dollar commitment conference. And then of course it's just exploded since then. But boy, it was a that was a crazy huge risk, and uh, but we I think all of us just believed that Angular was a big enough topic and enough people were doing it that a conference would make sense, and of course there was always doubts, right? Like we got into this, we signed these contracts, and then we'd put tickets up for uh, I think early bird tickets were six hundred bucks, and regular tickets were going to be seven hundred bucks, and the the internet loves to complain about anything it can complain about. And so people were tweeting about how ridiculous it was that it was $600. And I've gone to this other conference and it was only 150 bucks, right? Right. Whatever it was. We were selling tickets to Utah JS conference for $50, basically. Even though they were listed at 100 most of the time there were discounts. meant that people were buying tickets. Most tickets were sold for 50 bucks. So we had these $600 tickets, which we had to because it was it's like $400 just for the food for each person, Right. Um, and you have to, that's part of that contract is you have to buy all this food for all these people. Um, just for a couple of days, it's 400 bucks for food and, uh, people were complaining and the last minute, a couple of the guys got really scared. They were like, Oh my gosh, we're never going to sell tickets. Nobody's going to buy tickets for $600. we got to drop the price. And they wanted to renege on the contract with little America and go do it at this barn at the state fairgrounds. That would have been like, you know, 2,500 bucks or something to rent out for a couple of days. And I'm like, we can't get out of the contract, right? We've already, we've, we've signed, it's, we're bound and into it. And this is like 20 minutes before tickets are going to go on sale. And finally, our fifth deciding vote said, it was Merrick Christensen said, guys, it's too late to do anything. We just got to sit and just wait. So he sat and wait and the noon came along and the tickets went on sale. And one of us hit refresh 
you know, you have this little panel at the ticketing site to see how many tickets are sold. Right. They hit refresh, and in the time it took us to refresh, which was they like 10 seconds, they were all gone. You know, we'd put 150 tickets on sale. They were all gone in that 10 seconds. And four weeks later, we sold the rest of the tickets again in like 10 seconds. And uh, when, you know, when the tickets sold, we were like, sold in 10 seconds. Everybody was like staring at each other like, what were we just talking about? <laughs> wow. <laughs> we had no idea that Angular was this going to be this as, as huge as it was. You know, we had these ideas like there's got to be enough people that care about it. But we had no idea that it was already as huge as it was and that it was just going crazy, you know, and the, the conference and the podcasts and all this sort of stuff have really shown that, you know, Angular has become this massive thing in the industry. And I don't know, we were lucky to be standing in the right place at the right time and make the decision to go and do something crazy like sign a $150,000 contract with a hotel. But um, it certainly always seemed to work out. I have to say, I mean, it's it's pretty kind of mind-boggling just how it's gone, you know, because, I mean, I'm sure the attendees just showed up and were like, oh, conference, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, the food is always great and the, um, you know, the experience is always fun. And I, I think you guys have gone overboard more and more every year um, yep. with, you know, some of the fun stuff. But yeah, it's just, you know, you don't think about that first year and, and the kind of chance that you took on that. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. It was it was a huge yeah. People are like, I'm sure people now look and think, oh, uh, it's you know, Angular is a surefire thing. But at the time, it was it, it was a much bigger risk than even we realized it was. Now, after having tried to start up other conferences and seeing how difficult it is to start up other conferences and had conferences that lose money, right? Mm -hmm. I realized what a huge risk it was for us to take on uh, the Angular conference and. Luckily, it turned out to be, you know, to be a very successful thing and something that I'm grateful and proud to be part of. But it was a very interesting, those were interesting times in my life. Year one of the Angular, uh, of NGConf. And, you know, it was just right before that that I started up as a full-time developer and um, made, made, basically made a major league switch in my career. I went over to Domo and I worked with Merrick Christensen, who at the time was 22 or something. And he had like f three times more years of experience with JavaScript than I did. <laughs> I was I was 35, I think, and he was 20, 22. And he had three times more experience in the technology we were using than I did. I'd had like, you know, maybe a, a, the equivalent of like a solid year and he'd been, or a couple of solid years, right? And he'd been working with JavaScript for like six years by that time. And he was closer in age to my daughter than he was to me. <laughs> And then I ended up on a team with like 20 people. And of the 20 people, I'd say the average age was like 26, right? There was maybe three of us over the age of 35 or four. Mm -hmm. And then the other 15, 16 people were all pretty young guys um, and girls. So it was, it was a different, uh, different experience, major change in my career for sure. So you got, you've, you know, been getting into Angular, you've done Rails for a long time. Is that where you started your careers in Rails? So, I guess we have time I, for a long story. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I have a degree in computer engineering from BYU, which is uh, Brigham Young University in Provo. Um, right. Is that that degree that's like half electrical engineering, half computer science? Yep, that one. I have that ah. one. 
<laughs> so um, anyway, uh, I had worked in IT at BYU for like six years while I was getting my four-year degree. Don't ask. Um, I just, nice. I just goofed around, and then I got married, and then I got serious is the way that went. But anyway, um, so I thought, oh, well, IT is fun. I'll just do that for the rest of my life. Um, and what wound up happening was I wound up getting a job at uh, Mosey, which is a company here in Utah. And they, when they hired me, there were like 10 employees in the entire company. And they hired me to help with their technical support because I could troubleshoot windows over the phone in my head because I'd been doing <laughs> IT for so long. And right. that quickly grew into um, other things. So, for example, uh, I got tired of troubleshooting the same problem over and over and over again over email and the phone. And so I started up QA. I actually started QA at Mosey on my own. And so uh, I pulled together kind of a, a test um, sequence that I would go through, and I did it all by hand. And... Um, Anyway, uh, I wound up holding up the release for like a month. And when you're trying to move fast in a startup, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. So eventually the CEO went, kicked somebody out of their chair and deployed the code anyway. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of proud of that. But um, anyway, at the same time, we also were featured in the Wall Street Journal. So it turns out that if you're trying to answer that many emails with somebody else answering emails out of the same inbox and you're doing it all with Thunderbird, that really sucks. And you're sending the same response to everybody over and over and over again. So we put our heads together and we built this really simple app in Rails. And what it did was it would pull all of the emails into a database. And then uh, it would display it. And then we could just type an answer and hit enter. And it would set up mutexes on the email so that if I... If I loaded the email, then the other guy that I was working with wouldn't get it. And then it would, it would release the mutex after, um, after a certain amount of time if it hadn't been answered. So mm -hmm. then we built in custom uh, re or canned responses, and we built in um, you know, a little bit of a, a database. And then they decided to offer phone support, so we hired people. And at the same time, um, you know... The other guy built in some stuff because we were using asterisk uh, for our phone system. And it runs on MySQL, so Rails could connect to that and talk to it. So anyway, um, what wound up happening was he wound up moving over to the sales team to kind of be their technical resource. Mm -hmm. And that left me in charge of the support team. So I was running the support team. And I was splitting my time about half the time I was running the team and answering questions and fielding the most advanced of those calls. And the other half of the time, I was working on this Rails app. And um, incidentally, the, the name of the app was Frat Boy. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. And it was, it, it, was an, it was an inside joke um, related to our CEO who... Um, a couple of interesting things about him. This was his second company he'd started... He went to school at UC Berkeley, I think, and I think he was in a fraternity. So, yeah, so we we uh, called him a frat boy. And uh, I also found out after about a week of working there that he was he and I are second cousins. <laughs> so That's funny to find out. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So his grandmother and my grandmother's sisters. 
Anyway, so I worked there for a while, and I finally decided um, there were the company got acquired, and there were some political things that went on, and I just got tired of fighting those political fights. So um, I, I went to my boss, and I said, "Boss, my boss was an idiot, by the way." Um, I said, boss, I, I don't want to run the support department anymore. I actually want to be a programmer. And at EMC Corporation, who had purchased um, the company, had purchased Mosey, they basically put you on tracks for your career. And so mm -hmm. I was on the management track. And so I had to get off that train and onto the um, technical track. And mm. so I got, off, I got on the technical track and they moved me over to QA and while I was in QA, one of my coworkers bought an iPod back when iPods were a new and interesting and exciting technology. And right. um, so he started listening to podcasts, got me listening to podcasts, and that's kind of how this whole thing got started. Um, but anyway, so I did QA for six months, and then I applied around for uh, jobs because my coworker had looked at me and basically said, um, I don't know what they're paying you, but you can get more if you get a competing offer and then come back and have them match it. So I got a competing huh. offer and my boss, who I didn't get along with, didn't match it. So I left. <laughs> so that was my first development job there. I worked for a company called Solution Stream over, um, it's over here in Lehigh, uh, which is actually the city I live in. Um, they were in American Fork at the time, which is the next town over if you're not from Utah. Anyway, so uh, I worked for them for a year, and then they ran out of Ruby on Rails work because they were primarily a .NET, Java, and Flash shop, Flex. So uh, anyway, so they laid me off. Like, they just called me in and said the contract's over and laid me off. Uh, so I went and worked for another company. Incidentally, I got a job that same day, and it was my third wedding anniversary when I got laid off from that job. <laughs> So I went home. My wife's like, what are you doing home? And I'm like, well, lost my job. So I spent a couple hours on monster.com, uh, got a phone call, went to the interview. Uh, and on the way back home, they offered me a job. So I just went to work for them the next day. <laughs> well, kind of a life as a developer, huh? Well, it actually worked out that way mostly because of the podcasts. Because by then really? it was podcasting and screencasting. Yep. Hmm. It's kind of funny how that worked out. So I wound up working there. I was a team lead there. Um, uh, I, I liked it there for the first couple of months, and then it. Uh, I, I had I had issues again. The my boss was just. Um, he would tell us to work on one thing, and then he would bait and switch and tell us to work on something else. And uh, you know, anyway, so we eventually did make headway on the product, but uh, not after building it three times before you know he had what he wanted because he would change horses mid 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 ride but anyway right. so i got tired of that and started applying around again and got another job at uh, crimereports.com and i really liked it there i was there for about six months and what wound up happening there was they hired a vp of marketing and he he took the company in a direction that you know everybody thought was a great idea well it turned out that the way that they made money was the law enforcement agencies uh, paid them to provide tools based on the information they sent, which was crime data. And so, you know, we would give them heat maps over their town and things like that. And so they could actually see, you know, where certain types of crimes were likely to occur at what time of day and stuff like that. And anyway, they really liked the tools, 
but he took it in a direction where we were actually building up uh, basically a portal for neighborhood watch. And mm-hmm. the law enforcement agencies didn't really want that. Um, they wanted us to update the tools that they had because they had been written in PHP and we had reworked half of the system to work run in Ruby on Rails. And so they, they started pulling out. And when the customer started pulling out and eventually the company went from cash flow positive to cash flow not positive, uh, the Ooh. board came in and told the CEO, they gave him notice. Um, they let the COO and CIO go and laid off about half of the company. And I wow. was part of that half of the company. So um, we had just done a major push. I had a bonus. I got severance. And uh, so I looked at my wife and I said, wife, I want to go freelance. And my wife freaked out. <laughs> and, um, so, so all of this is over the course of, I think I'd been doing professional development for three years at that point. Um, Jeez. Yeah. Um, I worked for Mosey for about a year and a half running uh, tech support and then QA. And then I was at solution stream for a year. And then I was at uh, the other job that I hated for a year that I'm not going to, I don't want to bad mouth them in public. And then, um, I was at public engines for about six months. So I started looking around and again, I was doing the podcast and doing the screencasts on Ruby on rails. And, uh, so I wound up getting a contract in American fork. Um, and I've talked about that quite a bit at, on freelancer show, I asked for way too little. And so I basically priced out everybody else and got the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I wound up getting other contracts and then I started Ruby rogues the next year. And then, um, about six months later, Jameson approached me about doing a JavaScript podcast. And after coaching him for a little bit, I said, do you want, do you want me to just do this? Cause I'd like to be on it anyway. And so that's kind of how that got started. And then I started the freelancer show about the same time. And then I started iFreaks about a year and a half after that. And then Adventures in Angular a year or something after that. So anyway, um, so yeah, so that's kind of been my journey through code. Um, but I figured out that, uh, and, and this is part of the thing in going into JavaScript was just that yeah, it was painful, but I also figured out that if I was proficient in JavaScript, then I could provide more value and get paid more as a freelancer. So that was part of the reason why I went that way too. But Right. Yeah, that, that's kind of been my coding career. And now I've been doing it for like 10 years. That's so, a crazy journey in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, what projects are you working on now? Well, so primarily I do courses and then... Um, conferences, right? That's mm-hmm. the major thing that I do. Occasionally I'll do some teaching and stuff, but it's just courses and conferences that occupy all my time. So like right now I'm in the middle of building the big Angular 2 fundamentals course for Pluralsight and um, working on fixing a conference that I had going on in Florida that was going to be right during Hurricane Matthew that we had to cancel. Oh, so man. rescheduling that and doing it, it's a WordPress conference, rescheduling it and doing it uh, when we can, where we can. So, and then of course, NGConf is in the middle of its ramp up phase. So we got tickets, today is, the, as a recording where it's the 25th of October, we got tickets are going on sale on the 8th of November. It's, it's the lottery tickets, right? Uh, the actual, we'll sell most of our tickets through the lottery and then we have a few left over that we'll just... Once we get to a certain point, we'll just sell the last remaining few, maybe, I don't know, 100 left just to the public and 
I can't remember what date that is on, but uh, so ng-conf is right in the middle of its ramp-up phase, so I'm doing lots of uh, uh, work there. Now, do you do the other uh, conferences with the same guys from ng-conf, or is this... No, it's always a various different mix of people. So, for example, the cruise, I'm doing it with Tracy that we just had on JavaScript Jabber talking about different CLIs, Tracy Lee. Um, the WordPress conference I'm doing with a completely different set of people. Um, ng-conf is, uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's the only conference I'm doing with those, with those people. But everybody that I, you know, all the other ng-conf organizers all have full-time jobs, so being involved in other conferences is kind of difficult for them. Right, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. For me, it's a lot, much more natural fit since I, um, I'm self-employed. I can spend time doing it and do it working on it during the day. I don't have a boss that's going to fire me if I take a phone call or something. Yeah, just FYI, the remaining public tickets go on sale December 6th. Um, I'm sure it'll be noon mountain time. Mm -hmm. So that's when the final, we'll, we'll sell lottery tickets until December 6th. And then uh, the last few tickets will go on sale to the public on December 6th. And then we'll be sold out. And, but that's, those are the projects that I work on at the same time at the current moment. How about you? It's kind of funny because you uh, mentioned that you're putting on a, a WordPress conference. And <laughs> if, if I've been doing any programming lately, it's primarily WordPress. <laughs> um, mm. And the reason is, is that I've been trying to pull things together for um, devchat.tv and for the remote conferences that I've been putting on and things like that. And I just needed to customize things a little bit to get it to do what I want it to do. And so... Um, so yeah, so I've been doing quite a bit of development on WordPress in particular and, um, yeah, but yeah, that's all centered around those, uh, particular things. So I have uh, JS remote conf that's coming up in January. I've got react remote conf that's actually this week as we record this again, it's the 25th of October. So if you missed right. it, you can buy access to the videos for a few months before I actually just release them. Um, and then, you know, I have freelance remote conf and Ruby remote conf and rails remote conf and angular remote conf that I, I do throughout the year. Um, so yeah, so I've just been focused on getting that stuff together. And, uh, then I've got a book on how to find a job that I've been working on. And it turns out that writing a book's a whole lot more work than I thought it was. <laughs> right. And so, right. so I'm still working on that. I think, um, I, I talked to somebody recently because I wanted to release the book and a video course at the same time. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to release um, the sections of the book that correspond with uh, specific parts of the book and then release those parts of the book at the same time. And mm. so the first one's going to be a job search that actually works. Um, and so it'll talk about how to find and target companies that you want to work for figure out if you're a good fit for them, figure out if they're a good fit for you, and then uh, basically how to approach them so that you will actually get an interview instead of just mailing them your resume and hoping for the best. Um, and then I'll go into other strategies for getting noticed by people in those companies like going to the users groups or uh, participating in mailing lists or 
you know, contributing to open source code and things like that. So um, I've, I've got a whole bunch of ideas and I figured that that way I can just release a course at a time on that. And then if people want to buy the entire package and get them as they come out, then they can. But that way I get to a target that I can actually reach in a few weeks and then I can reach the next, next target in a few weeks and I can get things done that way. But yeah, mm. those, those are kind of the big things. I'm working on reviving the forums for the shows. Um, and I'm trying to hire somebody to help me with a lot of this stuff. So <laughs> I hired somebody before, but she just didn't work out. So anyway, it's, it, that's kind of where I'm at is, uh, just getting a handle around one thing at a time. And right now it's the conferences and then it'll be the book. And, uh, yeah. And then I'm always looking for guests and sponsors and things like that so that we can keep the shows going. Right. Right. You know, it's so interesting hearing about your journey into programming because it still seems like there's not a very typical way that people get into programming, you know? I guess if you get a degree in computer science, oftentimes you, you get hired with a company, but so many people that I know got into programming in funny ways, right? Yeah. When I worked at BYU, there was a, they, they had several development teams. And when I worked there, I was a systems administrator. Uh, for most of the time I was there. And uh, one of the teams that I worked with uh, pretty frequently worked on a lot of their web projects and fully half of the people on the team had degrees. And by degrees, I mean law degrees. Really? Yes. And so it, it's wow. really funny to me, yeah, just how diverse the backgrounds are of people that get in. And this was, this was you know, 10, 12 years ago. And so it's, it's not been that terribly long you know, mm -hmm. where I think, you know, as you go back a little bit further, it's much more common for people in programming to have that computer science degree. Yeah, I think it's no longer the norm. Well, is that our show today? I think so. Um, we can go ahead and do some picks and then we'll wrap it up. I've been watching a TV show. I can't remember if I picked this already. So if this is a duplicate pick, I apologize. I've been watching this TV show called Designated Survivor that just started up this season with Kiefer Sutherland. Uh-huh. And disappointingly he doesn't kill a lot of people like in 24 <laughs> but it's you know it's, and it's based not on in the real time huh right right and it's not in real time but it's based on the concept of whenever they have the state union address because so much of the government is there they always have one designated cabinet member that has to not attend the location so that in case there's some attack that they there's a you know continuity of government and so Kiefer Sutherland is that he's like the guy that's in charge of the housing and urban development and all of a sudden he becomes the president of the United States in the middle of essentially not necessarily a war, but like, you know, an attack as big in scale as 9-11 was, um, if not, you know, even more devastating and has to deal with navigating the political waters because he's not much of a politician while also dealing with all of the actual, you know, military things and stuff like that. It's been, it's been a great show. So I highly recommend it. Um, watching that designated survivor. That's my pick for today. Nice. So yesterday I took my family to see Finding Dory and we saw it before and it was fun. But it, sound, uh, it looked bad. Is it not? Is it good? It's, it's pretty good. And uh, I have to say that uh, I, I love going to the dollar theater. In fact, that's my pick is the dollar theater, wherever you have a dollar theater. And the nice thing is, is like, um, you know, my we took the 11 month old with us. And I just mm -hmm. stood in the back and bounced her and got her to go to sleep. But, you know, she fussed or whatever a couple of times or she'd scream or she'd, 
uh, just jabber during the the movie, and it's like it's the dollar theater, so nobody gets mad at you <laughs> <laughs> for bringing your kid, uh, which was uh, really nice. So um, that's that's definitely one pick is just the dollar theater, and yeah, we took all the kids and you know bought a whole bunch of uh, goodies, and yeah. The other pick that I'm going to pick is um, I've I bought a new domain and I'm picking it on this show and I didn't pick it on JavaScript Jabber and I was going to, but uh, in particular um, I've decided that I want to start a show where I just talk about what I'm doing in my business, what I have going on, uh, the challenges that I'm facing, and things like that. And I asked a whole bunch of people out there what they thought I should call the show, and you know there were a lot of plays on my name and on Dev Chat and none of them really got me excited. And then on the freelancer show, um, one of our guests, um, she was talking about doing a course, a video course. And, um, she said, well, you can do it on anything you do on a regular basis. And the example she gave was, you know, for example, if you make a really good lasagna, the kind of lasagna that people just rave about, this is the best lasagna I've ever had. Um, then, you know, you could do a course on that and the people who want to know how to do it will do it. Well, it turns out that when I make lasagna, that's what I hear. That's exactly what I hear from people. And it's really funny. It's like the only thing I cook that people rave about. But mm-hmm. um, I was like, yeah, that's kind of fun. And then somebody said, well, you could even put together a newsletter about lasagna and call it the Daily Lasagna. And I was like, that's my show name. So... <laughs> Um, it's either this week or next week. I will be putting this show together and it'll be funny because within the first few weeks, you're going to be getting shows from Nashville and from New York city because I'm traveling this next month, but yeah, it'll be the daily lasagna. And that's going to be my show about, um, just the stuff that I'm working on and the challenges that I'm running into and the stuff that I'm succeeding at and all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and some of, some of them are going to be, well, you know, here are my thoughts about this particular issue or topic. And some of them are going to be, you know, kind of, uh, experience reports, but anyway, um, I, I'm hoping it'll be a fun show. Um, I'm working on pulling together like an intro and outro and stuff, but yeah, if you go to the daily or daily um, that'll take you there. And hopefully I'll have that up within the next week or so. Well, that's awesome. All right. Well, that was fun. Um, I think I gave all the uh, ng-conf updates in the middle of the show. I think you so, did. December 6th, final tickets, final day tickets are on sale. So keep that in mind. Sounds if good. you don't get a lottery ticket. Not for you, Chuck. You don't get to go. I know. <laughs> I've been disinvited permanently. And I'm permanently disinvited. All right, we'll wrap it up and we'll catch you all next week. Bye. Bye. 